Welcome to the Color Auntie Podcast. My name is Grace, joined by my co-host, Kozan. And we are so glad that you're here with us. We're just your northern girls trying to live our best life. We're here to help you through those dreadful morning commutes, or if you're just wanting to hear Quay out of things you may be experiencing, because both Quay and I have been there. We don't really know what we're doing in life, but we're hoping to figure it out with you along the way. <laughs> yeah. So listen, your podcast aunties love ya. Welcome back, everybody, to a special edition of the Call Her Auntie podcast. As a wise prophet once said, it's a good day to be Indigenous. And happy National Indigenous Peoples Day to all my Nietzsche's, all of our listeners, and all of our friends and family. Today on the podcast, I am solo dolo interviewing and welcoming my friend, and now your friend, Crystal Batasway. Hey, guys. Um, before we jump into it, though, I wanted to um, also say and offer a belated happy Juneteenth. So if you don't know, in the States, they just made a holiday for Juneteenth, which is a day to celebrate, to commemorate the emancipation of enslaved African Americans in the States. So for all of our relatives who have Black ancestry, what a celebratory few days, but we also hope you take some time to recharge. And now we're going to get into today's podcast with my dear friend, Crystal. Um, we're going to talk about things like leadership as an Indigenous woman, her educational journey, how her beliefs, not how her beliefs, how, when she became an auntie and what she believes is like the meaning of an auntie. But until then, Crystal, introduce yourself. So I guess, yeah, Ani Bojo, Crystal Lavatasue, Nadishna Kaz, Andek Omnikaning Benjaba, Makwa Dudem, Anishna Bekwe and Dao. So I'm super excited to be here tonight on such a great day of, of June 21st. Happy solstice to everyone as well. Um, for anyone on the call who doesn't know Ojibwe, Ojibwe language, uh, I'm from the Bear Clan. My dad's from Ondekamikani First Nations. My mother's from Chippewas Aminjikining First Nations, which is in Rama. Uh, and yeah, I'm super excited to be here today with all of you. Thanks for having me. So yeah, welcome my clan sister. Um, let's talk a little bit about how we met. So how we met was you met Grace first. I did, yeah. And, I remember. <laughs> and then... Um, we invited you to a couple of our work events, and then I remember this one time you told me I invited you to a work event, and you came, and then you were like, oh my god, I'm going to hang out, we're going to hang out, it's going to be so fun, and then I just like <laughs> met you, walked you in, and was like, okay, here you're speaking, here you're, here, here's your agenda, bye, and you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, just to talk a little bit through that a bit, I just, I remember seeing you speak um, at Humber, and you just had such an energy and um you were so like charismatic and I'm like, I feel like I would vibe with her. And, uh, you know, I think I, I remember saying like, I'm going to be her friend. <laughs> I tried to be, and it was just like, you know, it, there was a lot of onion layers to you that I had to unpack. <laughs> Not to say that you're Shrek or anything, but I always, um, I always think about that day. Cause it's just like, yeah, I just, we had to build such a strong relationship and foundation before we could even think about being friends first. Mm -hmm. And then I also remembered that our, you know, Gina, so Gina is my boss for any of the listeners. And I remember too, she's like, Hey, why don't you go and like mix and mingle and like talk to Crystal? And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, 
well, that's your friend, the guest speaker. And I'm like, she's all of our friends. We invited her. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I think that I also had, so I also had this, like, I thought in our careers, we had to have this level of professionalism. And I invited you. It was like strictly professional. There was no other way to go. Mm. Um, so that was like my mindset set at the time. And I think that was like, 2016, 2017, maybe, or maybe 2015. Yeah. And yeah. I, my mindset has changed since then because I think that when we're in careers and when we're working professionals and we're Indigenous, we can't have that barrier anymore. I think that we have to really be a family because it's fucking hard being in a corporate world. And we're going to get more into that mm-hmm. with you, and I'm so glad you're here. But um, why don't you tell us about what growing up was like for you and like, where did you grow up? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think I'll interweave a little bit about what you said about, you know, the different personas we all have and those layers of when, you know, when can I be vulnerable? When can I be crystal? And when, you know, when do I have to be crystal at work, crystal yeah. in school? Right. Um, and when do those kind of roles change? And I think, uh, you know, we're starting at a really great point because we're thinking about, Crystal in school, which was a really strong, ambitious young girl who, you know, thought, you know, she could take the world um, by storm. And um, getting into HR, I think, was a lot of serendipitous moments, speaking to certain people. Um, My grandfather, he had read something in The Economist, which is a professional magazine, Mm -hmm. that said women that worked in HR, you know, 20 years ago, they were the ones getting into these leadership positions. And he's like, I could totally see you doing that. And I had no idea of what HR really was. Um, I wanted to be an actress. And, um, you know, I... I, I, I think about that moment because it's just like I started to like think about a career in human resources, not even knowing even after I graduated what it really was mm-hmm. until I got into the profession was like, OK, this is a very um, complex, intricate role. Yeah, because um, you 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 do wear those hats. You're like, I work for the employees, but I also work for the organization in the sense of like, you know, you're, you're that median, especially in unionized environments. But um, yeah, it's it, it was you know, I'd say I got there really by chance and, you know, a few things in articles, but mm-hmm. my grandfather really drove me into that career profession. I remember when I learned learned more about you by getting to know you, was getting to know, when I got to know you better, it was more of that unconscious bias because I also think that, like, when I got to know you, I was like, oh, yeah, she grew up, like, out of the city. She grew up up north. She grew up a little rough around the edges but in the best way and Mm -hmm. I'm like Mm -hmm. she also took HR and one of my minors was in HR so I'm like oh okay we're the same (laughs) so I'm like then 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 I I like let all the onion layers back but I think that we have we do I want to say again we have to be more about building a family because um we just have to support each other in all of our industries and cross and cross sectors as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one of my favorite things about you is when you talk about your high school experience. Do you want to share that? Absolutely. Okay, absolutely. So I had a hell of a time in elementary school, and you know, I can just date it back into I grew up in um, in Aurelia, which is not on reservation, but close to one. And I grew up in a Catholic, a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I think with that, you know, came potentially some perceptions um, or maybe there was a history of, of people that had, you know, worked with us or, you know, had some sort of unconscious bias of who we were as people. But um, yeah, I think like back to, I, I was on um, the individual education plan, which was, you know, I grew up with a learning disability mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it was really hard because once someone pegs you or labels you as something, it's so hard to get out of that, like, systematic approach or that systematic viewpoint of who you are. It's like you're not capable of certain things mm-hmm. if you're in this category. And having a learning disability for me was I was in that category of, like, not in achievement or, like, you know, just barely making it by. And, you know, it really stuck with me. And I remember taking, um, you know, I was picking my courses for going to high school and I put in, you know, my grandfather said like, you're going to go to university. You're going to come live with um, your aunt and me because they had lived, they were living together. And um, I I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to York university because that's, they were living in Woodbridge at the time. And um, in my first day of, uh, of grade nine, I had realized that I, that I was bumped out of apply. So it was a, I didn't go into academic. I didn't go into apply. It was actually an essential, an essential programming. And I also want to preface that being an essential, like that's, that's okay too. Um, but it just, you know, I, I had this aspiration to be in academic courses. Like that's what I wanted. And, um, you know, the system saying no, my guidance counselor saying no, the principal saying no, that really, you know, hurt me as a person because I knew that I was going to work extremely hard and I was motivated to do, you know, what it took to, you know, to excel in academic, but nobody saw that future for me. And so, you know, being Indigenous youth and like not having maybe the role models or strong role models at the time, like this was a make it or break it moment for me. It was paramount that I had to truly believe in myself, be my own biggest cheerleader to know what I wanted. And at such a young age of like 13, 14, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't I can't take that away from who I am because it made me very resilient. And I knew I had resilience in resiliency in me from my grandparents and my and you know my parents too. But it just I think like I just want to pause and reflect on that, that like you know, the system isn't really designed for us, mm-hmm. I don't think, as Indigenous yeah. people. And, you know, for us to identify that and then also know that we can excel and move within the system to our benefit can also work if we believe in ourselves and have, you know, be our biggest cheerleaders, we can push through it. Um, Because I think I broke the glass ceiling in education and I'm still doing that in the corporate world. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, the onus was on me to to, to motivate and and really bring myself to that ethos. And it's too bad that I didn't necessarily have that at the time. But for anyone on the call that's kind of in that same boat and or have lived through it, I think a lot of us are so like we're warriors. We've had to like maneuver through, you know, what Canada's realities are today. But um, yeah, I think it's it's so important to to just keep that self-awareness and that self-reflection up because, you know, we're all surviving and, um, you know, we're all thriving too. So um, just like a quick shout out to everyone that's on the call today that like, I'm super proud of all of you as well. I, I wanted, I didn't, it wasn't your struggle that I love the most about you, but it's exactly what you said, like your drive. I think that's what I love the most about you because you were able to be like, 
even in survival mode, you were like, I'm going to fucking do this. And you can't tell me no. And that's what I love about you so much. And I also think that like IEPs are not the solution for education because I think instead of an IEP lifting you up in terms of equity and like helping you learn how your, how your mind learns, it doesn't what like I feel like it uh, it like it doesn't it just doesn't build people up the way that the it was supposed to Mm. so that's what I think about IEPs and why they don't necessarily work how they're supposed to but they're they're very creative in their mindset like being on the individual education plan I think is just we're different and diverse learners yeah but we're equal to you know it intellect and you know just this the way the system is to your point quay so i think a hundred percent is just i learned differently but i also bring a lot of different things to the table right. in um in group think or when i'm collectively we're all learning or discussing things i constantly mm-hmm. see myself thinking about things that you know the mainstream isn't and i think yeah just it's diverse learning and uh it's just as much valuable in in any sort of group environments you find yourself in mm-hmm. And I and I didn't mean it in a negative way in that sense. I just I know when I've learned about IEPs, I learned about this one Dr. Seuss meme that was like, "You can't judge a fish by the way it climbs a tree," mm-hmm. and that's how I think about that. There's so many diverse learners out there, for sure, for sure. Okay, so now I have another question for you. What point was it for you where you decided then? next move for you was to start therapy and I know we've been very open on the podcast about like when I started how when Grace recently started and we want to really break down the stigma and open up the door but like what was our moment in time where we're like okay this is a lot and I need to be able to navigate my feelings and my emotions so do you want to share that with us yeah of course I do um therapy is such a great gift Um, I can't talk about it enough. And I think I'm always talking to my relatives about it, about like, go to therapy, go to therapy. It's so great. Um, And, you know, it's not as, I don't know why there's a stigma there, but really what I get to do is I get to talk about my childhood more. Mm -hmm. I get to really reflect and meditate and be with the little crystal that I don't give a lot of time to. That was so focused on just succeeding driving driving and not just like nurturing absolutely absolutely and that's where it starts because I think I bring my whole self more to the table and um really what therapy brought to me and um you're right there is such a stigma when I talk about like I remember my boss going well why do you have to leave at 4 30 I'm like I have a therapy session and she was kind of like taken back by it and I was like oh there's nothing wrong with that like it's it's if anything I think it when people say they take therapy I'm like wow you're you know just as much as you have self-care to go to the gym and to mm-hmm. work out, you're also working on your spiritual and your mental too. So, but yeah, no, it's been a great journey of, of reflecting and um, this, you know, Quay was kind of giving you my, my bio about, you know, president of this, president of that, and then doing so much work um, at TD too. And it's just this, this chaos high functioning anxiety that's what it is yeah and um, I learned that through therapy it's just I'm in survival mode and I create chaos to help me to help me I guess um and uh it's not necessarily the best thing to do for yourself because we all have our vices we all we all have our own ways of coping with um you know some of the trauma that we live with and so I've 
really taking the time to work through unpacking that, mm-hmm. you know, not always saying yes, you know, giving myself space to, to feel and to also, you know, be in the moment and relax. Um, but yeah, this, you know, I think for a lot of us in the Toronto area, at least, or in urban areas, and not to say that in rural, you don't have this, but it's, you know, go, 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 time is money sort of mentality. We really lose the human approach to things. And I feel like I get to bring that into the business context more often where I'd be like, let's take a minute to say how your weekend was. And uh, how are you, you know, scale of one to 10, how are you feeling today? Mm-hmm. And it's not about people scaling like, oh, you know, seven, I'm doing okay, four, I'm not doing well, but it opens up the avenue to even discuss more about internally how we're how we're feeling and how we're doing. And I think that emotional approach, you know, makes, you know, your boss is great and their boss's boss is great, but, you know, it's that human approach that I think keeps us going in a good way. And I kind of think it's like what's missing, like what I was saying a little earlier where like I didn't, I was keeping everything structured Mm. And like, I'm like, no, you're this, no, you're that. No, we're not friends outside of the world. And I think that like, that's what we have to break down. And that's what we have to also bring in. So break down and bring into our like professional lives and stuff. Um, Cause everybody, but everyone benefits from that. Absolutely. So what though, what like moment made you be like, I'm doing it. I'm going into the session. I'm like registering, finding it. What had happened? Which session? Oh, that's kind of a big question, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I like big questions. <laughs> I'm like, what breakdown did you have? Oh, <laughs> right. Oh no. So <laughs> no, no, don't say sorry. Don't say sorry. I think, um, oh, God, there's, I don't think it was like one big meltdown that I was having, but I was having, you know, I'd say attacks where I just was like not in a good place or I was questioning everything that I was doing or I was getting so low because I was just like in highs of of it all too. Like it's very polarized in my approaches. Either I was like killing it, doing amazing things, like running 10K. And then, you know, I was back to back from like eight to like six. And then, you know, I'd spend the rest of the evening working on emails, working on like other extracurriculars. And then I would go to bed at nine exhausted. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then I like, I was just like dreading the next day and I would have these attacks okay. where like, I was not having any self care. Um, and it was just like, like that high frequency eventually, you know, nature has a way of bringing it back down. Right. And trying to combat that in my twenties was a lot easier. Mm-hmm. But to find balance, it just got a lot harder as I got older because you're more in tuned and um, you can see your performance either, you know, go two ways, right? Like you just, you don't, you can't do it all. You can't solve everyone's problems and you can't take on, I'm a huge empath. So I take on a lot of energy too. And so it just like, I was having more lower moments of just like pure exhaustion of just like, I can't, not bringing myself to the meetings that I want to or not you know, it's just dreading the next day like, of like waking up and having to do all these things that I was putting on myself, yeah. all that pressure and building that chaos. And so like, you know, I think that's part and parcel why I was like, I need something and I don't know what it is. Cause mm-hmm. like physical activity seems to be there, you know, my job, you know, I'm, I'm doing so well, but like, you know, I was really like not doing so great in my relationships personally. 
and self-care of like, you know, just taking time for myself, like your relation like, with yourself. Yeah. 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 And like family and friends and just like, those are huge sacrifices you make. And, and what is it really for? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Thank you for sharing that with us. I know that was <laughs> after I asked them, like, oh, oh beer. This is conscious. I've never been asked a question like that. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit more about your family and like your sister and your brother and your nieces? Totally, totally. So on the auntie podcast, I am mm-hmm. a proud auntie myself. Um my sister had uh, her two girls. Um, relatively younger in age. So I've had an opportunity to be an auntie at a young age myself. Um, and, you know, what I've learned from that, and hey, Ash, I know you're probably listening. So I just <laughs> want to put a shout out to you and the girls. My my youngest niece actually had her birthday on uh, Father's Day. And so... Oh, happy birthday! Happy birthday, Laura. Um, but yeah, I think, ha- like, for me being an auntie, I just it's such a heart-wrenching moment of like, you just want to make the world a better place for them. Right. And my responsibilities are now to like live through what I've lived through, but make it better for them. You just killed me. I'm like, <laughs> that is. <laughs> oh, no, don't cry. We're all cry more. <laughs> you just killed me with that. Cause like, I totally get it now. Like I've always wanted to make the world a better place, but now you're like, shit yeah <laughs> i gotta <laughs> and like break down stereotypes for them totally yeah. absolutely yeah you killed me with that one um, <laughs> sorry <laughs> tears happy tears yeah though. so what do you have any tips for me as an auntie like what what do you advise well i think um I learned a lot from you being an auntie, just seeing all your posts what? and how involved you are. I saw your little nephew's <laughs> paintings in your office area, and I thought that was so beautiful that you keep him with you so close to, so close to work. Oh, um, those are my. <laughs> okay, wait. Oh, they're not. I'll clarify. I'll clarify. Okay, this, the one of them is a painting of my brother. My brother when he was in daycare. So oh, it was my little brother Muck. So I always keep it because he's kind of not kind of. He's a graphic designer and he's very creative. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm keeping this because when you become Van Gogh, I'll have an original from. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. From a long time, and then with the other painting, that's from Nico Grace's son. Oh my god! And so he gave it to me. Um, so I put, I told him I was going to put it up. So yeah. Yeah. So I put it That's up. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it here. But, um, yeah, my nephew, he's like the love of my life. And I actually had my first auntie moment when I went home. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when they, they need you or they need your comforting or so they want you, you to hug them. Yeah. It, it was re- very lucky for me. And I had like the moment where I'm like, this is my time. I have like blossomed into a butterfly. I was a cocoon auntie and now I'm a butterfly aunt. <laughs> because, you found your wings. Yeah, I got my wings this past weekend. Um, he, it was really close to bedtime, so it mm-hmm. could have went either way. Um, and I, he had wanted me to pick him up, so I picked him up and then we were doing, we were clearing stuff off the porch and I put him back down and then he was like, no, like pick me up again. Mm-hmm. So I did, and I, like I was still trying to help out, and then I put him down again. He's like, and he did it again. I was like, no, like he wanted. Yeah. He was a little fussy. I guess that's the word. 
Um, so I picked him up and I just sat on the porch swing with him. And he, I had him like how you hold a little baby. And then he had his little arm around me and I was tapping his back and then he was tapping my back. Aww. And I'm like, he just wanted to be soothed, but he picked me to help soothe him. And that was my, my first anti moment where I'm like, this is I my role that. in life. Yeah. <laughs> If I can make the world a better place for this little soul, mm -hmm. I will. It just, it's so reciprocal in that conversation of like, you know, you're patting his back, he's patting yours. And yeah. it's like, as much as you give them love, they give you so much in yeah. return. It's very reciprocal in that way, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I think like one of the things that I've learned being an auntie too is just like this, when they were younger, I think because my my sister was younger. I was trying to parent them too and oh. not identifying what my role was and that my relationships as an aunt are so more, it's, it's such a different relationship that mm -hmm. I don't need to say, okay, bath time girls, or like try to like have that motherly way with them. I'm like, it's an auntie way. Yeah. And the auntie way is like, I get to be their best friends and they're going to tell me things that maybe they won't tell their mom. And yeah. I've already started to experience that where I'm just like, it's such a sacred bond. Wait, who's come to you? Brooklyn. Oh, really? Yeah, and Alora. And then even Brooklyn and Alora have their own relationship too, where they don't tell things to aside. mom yeah. aside. And then, then they both tell me things individually <laughs> too. And just like, you know, that responsibility of just like, I'm I'm one of their role models. And that, you know, I don't bestow as much wisdom sometimes to them. And then I'm like, but I got to. So mm -hmm. I'm constantly reminding myself that like, you know, they might – see themselves reflected I maybe they my sister would be like crystal they see themselves reflected in you and um you know it's important to always give them those little tidbits of things that maybe ash my sister might forget oh, and yeah. I can let them know like yeah. hey it's okay like you know the world's crazy and yeah. you know it's okay to you know be vulnerable sometimes and all those things so it's been such a really it's been cool it's been cool very cool um you actually know well she's my older cousin but she's um, the way that my family works is that my mom was the second youngest, so her older brothers had daughters before, way before me. So, you know, my cousin Cookie and my well, and her sister Sherry, they both lived with us, mm -hmm. and they were kind of my aunts and like live-in aunts in a way where like they took me out and like they they tried makeup on me and I got to do all this and do all that. And like one of the things my cousin Cookie, like I remember she told me when I was trying on all this wild makeup and like. You don't remember like what frosted pink lipstick was like in? <laughs> Absolutely, I do. Is it not in anymore? Are we getting are we getting old now? <laughs> um, so then one of the things that like she told me that I always remember is that like um, makeup is supposed to enhance enhance what you already have. Like you don't want to get too out of control, or it was something like that where I'm yeah. like, it's supposed to be what I already have mm -hmm. so all the time I'm like oh enhancing your natural beauty and like I've gotten you know I've gotten like my eyebrows done but it's like of the shape I already have mm -hmm. or like um gotten my eyelashes done but it's like it's nothing crazy like fillers in your face because like mm -hmm. I've gotten fillers like lip fillers but it's nothing crazy it's just like everything you already have and it's I think that's why I've also steered away from like I think people who are in makeup are so talented when they do all this like crazy eye makeup and stuff. Yeah. But I'm like, that's why I've kind of steered away from it because my aunts have always told me, oh, it's like just, 
it's more natural. Absolutely. But I, I say that with also saying like, if you're like into makeup and you do crazy cool stuff, like that's still sick. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. But that's what has stayed with me from what my, my aunt cousin has told me. I love that. <clears throat> okay. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about um, work and like navigating a corporate world. All the like, boring stuff? All the boring stuff. <laughs> because you are an Indigenous woman who works in banking. And is that a predominantly male world? Um, yeah. I'd say it's predominantly, you know, doesn't have a lot of Indigenous leadership and or representation. Um, and that's not to say I don't think it's just necessarily me being in the bank, it's a financial industry issue. It's a Bay Street issue. Uh-huh. We are not represented in any of these big corporations. And, you know, part and parcel to that is maybe because our lived traditional ways of being maybe don't necessarily directly follow your capitalist Western ways of, of viewing things. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, not to like plug for anything. I just, I think there are maybe some great things about working in, in big corporations. One being that you can stay with one organization and have multiple careers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hierarchy to me, you know, a lot of people would say like, you know, hierarchy is a bad thing. However, if you have like 90,000 plus employees, a hierarchy makes sense in chaos. So there's ways to translate why things are the way that they are. But for me, being a young Indigenous person, it was really hard for me when I was 18, not seeing myself reflected in leadership, mm-hmm. not seeing myself reflected in other business lines. And, you know, part why I wanted to stay was I wanted to be that one person for somebody that I didn't have. Right. And, um, you know, where there is no representation to me there's immense opportunity yeah exactly. to do more and to have more representation so I've been spending spent the last 11 years for two big banks trying to figure out how we can fill fill the gap and what can we do at, at a corporation level and you know my little role is being an HR person how can we change so to me like one of the things that I find so motivating after like hearing everything that you have said is that sometimes we thought we talk we talk about like oh do we even want to be in these western financial areas that aren't our way our traditional ways but then also you've kind of taken on the narrative and been like i'm going to build this path for me and i'm going to dictate how i am in this financial industry how i am in this hr world that that's not our traditional way but i'm going to dictate how i'm being involved Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I think the one thing that I've, you know, hindsight, my wisdom is not like something from 11 years in this. I now can now can fully understand that like we're all just people. And it seems like so simple to say that, Mm -hmm. but everyone shows up in their inclusion journey a bit differently, Mm -hmm. uh, their knowledge of who we are as people, um, what they've learned, how they've experienced us and how we've experienced them. Um, and then my, you know, not to say that it's always an education and awareness and showing up, but I think like to meet people and then to come with good intentions, 
great communication skills Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, in a place of like inner peace for me, um, you make, makes the conversation so rewarding. If I can, if I can, you know, spend one day saying I've changed someone's unconscious bias of who they thought we were, um, it's, there's a lot of fulfillment in that. Okay. So Crystal, um, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today on national National Indigenous Peoples Day. All of our followers and our listeners are so um, grateful to hear your words. And we wanted to, okay, we had the first intention to end off how we've been processing and working through. Um, So we went, okay, so we went, we went through the the episode on a good note and we wanted to end it off on like how we've been healing. Mm -hmm. But we also kind of took a, a pause and realized we're not ready to talk about that yet. So, um, but you wanted to give a little bit of of insight from your end, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, for a lot of us, you know, the discovery of the Camp Loops, 215 children, and the other discoveries that are coming out in Manitoba and Saskatchewan, like this is an ongoing, you know, media story that we've all been living with and having to you know, heal from in terms of intergenerational trauma. Like I'm um, an intergenerational survivor. Quay, I know you are too. Um, and I know that's your story to share. But what I can say on this podcast is that, you know, try to give, you know, I've been, my recommendation for non-Indigenous Canadians and for people that I'm speaking to is try to give more space for us to heal and to have that emotional time um, because, you know, for a lot of us, we're, we're reliving that trauma. And, um, you know, I've had to take a back seat to say that I'm not in a position to to talk freely about how, I, how I'm dealing with it and how I'm healing mm-hmm. from it. Like, you know, my role as being a leader, um, there is an education piece to it for sure. And, you know, we have to not show up, but I think it's just, it's been just so difficult and and hard for all of us i'm just talking to my other indigenous you know peers and family and relatives about it is like you know because there's media that means that there's these avenues to talk yeah. about yes and educate into aware like bring more awareness but on the other end of that it's like you know i've been asked to speak about it specifically and i'm you know you know, I'm not an expert in it. I've just, I'm just an indigenous person that has my own lived experiences. And, uh, it just been, yeah, I just said, there's gotta be, we need more space and maybe we we're not ready space. to talk about it today, but that doesn't mean that, you know, it's, it's off the table. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I feel like, you know, there are moments. I think there are moments we need to take when we need to take our time. Mm-hmm. And this is a moment, like mm-hmm. for example, if somebody is messaging you at work, Oh, like I've heard this, I've heard that. And you're mm-hmm. like, or like, how are you processing it? And you're like, or like, I don't know. Can you would, talk about it? Can you talk about it? You're like, well, actually, no, because <laughs> I like my my what my grandparent, my my parent went to, went to I went to, like not me, but like the schools have been open for so long, mm-hmm. or like since the last one closed in 1996, right? Where like you never know. If it could have, if you're asking a residential school survivor, oh, do you want to talk about it? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really great that we end off this episode saying, take the time you need and you don't have to respond 
to people right away. Yeah. You don't have to even respond at all. You are allowed to say no and to hold your own space. This in the space amount of space you need to heal. Um, cause, cause we're still doing that here. Mm-hmm. And when, and when everyone's taking that moment of silence, know that that moment of silence is for you. You too. Yeah, it's for you too. And I'll, we'll end this off with one thing my therapist said. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I couldn't handle it. I'll be honest. I couldn't handle dealing with it um, alone. So I had a session where, where I was exclusively talking about that. And she said that it's so hard and it feels so heavy right now. Because before it was like being denied. A truth that was being denied. Mm-hmm. And so now, and then when the truth is denied, there's kind of shame. Mm-hmm. But when now the truth is, there's the light, like, what is it? What do they say when there's light? At the end of the tunnel. Um, all the truth comes to light. Oh, okay. That one. <laughs> Sorry. I was thinking about another quote. My bad. But at the the tunnel, like, we will. Um, she's like, when, like, the truth comes out, then you're allowed to grieve. And it's like now we're all overwhelming, overwhelmingly being flooded to be able to grieve. Mm-hmm. So just take the time you need right now, guys. And with that, thank you, Crystal, for joining us today. Team Magwitch, Bonnet P for having me. <laughs> and until we meet again, guys. Until we meet again. Until next time. Um, like Grace would say if she was here, toodaloo. <laughs> So your podcast Andes know that life can be tough and we want to end our episode with promoting the Hope for Wellness talk line. The Hope for Wellness um, helpline offers immediate help to all Indigenous people across Canada. It is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week to offer counselling and crisis intervention. Life can be tough and we've all been there. So call the toll-free helpline at 1-855-242-3310 or connect online to their chat at hopeforwellness.ca. And remember that your podcast aunties love you.